Hey there, welcome back to my channel. So glad you could join me today. Uh, we've got some exciting things to get into today. We're going to get into a little bit of prophecy update, things happening around the world, and then we'll start talking about the rapture and the timing related to the wrath of God that is to come. We know in the Bible that the church is not appointed to wrath. So the church will be raptured out of here. And so praise God for that. But what is the timing of that? And so we're going to get to some things that I know you're going to learn something today. There's a revelation that I, I've never heard anybody preach before. And so I'm going to minister on that um, and get through lots of scriptures. But first, let's uh, talk about some of the other things going on in the world. But even before that, we want to say welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for all around the world that are joining me. Uh, if this is your first time here, welcome to Thomas Taylor Ministries. I'm Thomas Taylor. And so you can find me in all kinds of places. You can find me at my website, wormwoodprophecy.com or wormwoodasteroid.com. Uh, that's where I warn about the wormwood asteroid that is to come, written in the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation chapters 8 and chapter 9, details uh, an asteroid is coming and the world needs to get ready. In fact, some people in the world already know it is coming, uh, possibly even NASA, and they're not letting us know about it because they say they have all the asteroids. Um, they're monitoring 95 to 95% of the asteroids already. And so that makes you think, well, they probably see this coming, but have you heard about it? No, they're telling us over and over there's no asteroids coming right now. Um, so take a take a look at this website. It has lots of information about Apophis, which is an asteroid coming in the year 2029. It could possibly be the the one that is known as Wormwood in the Bible. Um, so thank you for joining me. Uh, you can also reach me at thomastaylorministries.org. That's thomastaylorministries.org. There you can uh, find out all kinds of articles about end time. There's charts. There's articles about all kinds of other subjects in Christianity. If you just want to grow in your knowledge of Christianity, I have a free Bible college there. You just uh, go through the college material, three years of Bible school material, all for free, all yours. Just take it at your own pace, um, and you don't get a certificate at the end. But nonetheless, you can enjoy deep, in-depth knowledge of the Word of God as you go through that Bible college for free, as well as all the other resources there. Also, thank you for those that support me from all around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The uh, the support, if you want to support me, you can go to Thomas Taylor Ministries, hit the donate link there, and uh, I will receive your donations. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for supporting me. Share, get the word out. Let people know about this. Share this link if you're on YouTube. Make sure you hit like, hit subscribe, hit that little bell, and you'll always know when I come out with new material. But you can also find me on Rumble. You can find me on Vimeo. You can find me on uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, all kinds of places. Um, you can find me on Roku. Look for, um, it is uh, Wormwood Asteroid or Wormwood Prophecy. You can, any place that you have podcast, look for Wormwood Asteroid or Wormwood Prophecy. And that's where you, you will find all these uh, podcasts at. Um, but the video version you'll find on Vimeo, Rumble, BitChute, um, YouTube. So uh, thank you. Take advantage of all those resources. All right, so we're going to get into what I call the Antichrist tax. I believe it has arrived. It's been being pushed for a number of years, but it is, is I believe, going to begin in Europe and then spread throughout the world. It is going to become a global tax. It's called the Antichrist tax. That's what I'm calling it. I'll, I'll explain. I'll read an article. I'll also get into the CBDCs, which are central bank, central bank digital currency that is coming. Again, this, this is the, the one world system of money 
that everybody is going to have to do. So there's coming a world government, uh, really a, a one digital currency. Um, there's coming dig, uh, a global tax to fund the beast, uh, which is the Antichrist and, and the nations, the, the Ten Kings, the, the revised United Nations. It's going to be funded by an, what I call an Antichrist tax, and it's already here, so we'll be talking about that. Then I'll be talking about the rapture and wrath timing. So let's just jump right into the first thing I have. I have an article from the Gateway Pundit. So this article is called Breaking. Uh, European Union reaches agreement to force everyone in EU countries to pay for CO2 emissions. First step of personal carbon credit system. This is what I'm calling the Antichrist tax. Um, if you've seen my previous videos, you know that I believe that the covenant with many has already started, basically. Um, and I, I believe it is what, what is known as Agenda 2030. Um, that is the governmental version of it. The economic version of it is comes right out of the World Economic Forum, and it's known as the Great Reset. There is also the religious version, and that's from the uh, the Pope, and he wrote in an encyclical called Laudato Si, and they're all about the same thing. Um, and the the fourth version of it is the Paris Climate Agreement or the Paris Climate Accords. So, you know, we have those four horses, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The white one represents religion, which is the Laudato Si out of, out of uh, you know, the Pope, the Roman Catholic Church. Then the next horse being uh, the red horse, which is the one we know of as Agenda 2030. The covenant with many is Agenda 2030 is what I believe. And you can go to my previous videos how I disproved that it has nothing to do with a, a seven-year covenant with Israel. There is coming a uh, covenant with Israel, but that's not the one spoken of by uh, Daniel 9.27, the covenant with many. The covenant with many, the many is the nations, not Israel. Because if it was Israel, it would have just said Israel. It says covenant with many. So there's uh, the religious version is Laudato Si by the Pope. The governmental version is Agenda 2030 used to be Agenda 21. The uh, what is the economic version is out of the World Economic Forum called the Great Reset. And then the last is the climate version. The green horse is climate. Green, green horse is climate. And that is the uh, Paris Climate Accords. With all kinds of things that indicate we have entered or are entering into the final seven years, Daniel's 70th week. Uh, we won't know for sure that we're in there until we see some more prophecies take place. And so I'm watching that, particularly the nation of Israel. We know, of course, we had the the, uh, the uh, red heifer show up in Israel finally. Uh, everything's ready almost for the temple to be built. Um, so we're, that's the main thing that I'm watching to see. Are we in the final seven years? We don't. I don't know. We don't know yet. But there's some things that need to take place to prove that. So this is one of the things that I'm going to read here, which is a tax. This is how the Antichrist gets power. Power, money comes, uh, money is a, is a form of power, right? And so he's, he's got to have a flood of money come to him. Uh, Prince Charles said he needs, well, it is implied that he was talking possibly about a dark figure that's running the, the world, um, that he needs a trillion dollars. Um, and so, 
I, I've showed that again in one of my other videos. You can look that up. Uh, Prince Charles saying that someone needs a trillion dollars, but he didn't say who this person was in the shadows that needs this money. But I, I suspect he's talking about what we know as the Antichrist. And so there has to be money flooding to the Antichrist, obviously, to be able to do what he wants to do. He needs to be able to run the nations of the world. He needs to be able to run the armies of the world uh, um, and, and put all the things into place that are necessary to control literally every single thing happening on planet Earth. With today's computers and AI and things like that, that is actually possible now. We're approaching uh, the time where, and I talked about this in my last video, talking about AI, where AI uh, can take the next step and it'll be as smart as or smarter than a human being. And possibly that is the image of the beast that will cause all the world to worship the beast, which is world government. All right, I am going to read this article. I better start now or I'll just keep talking. Let's read. So this article says that the European countries and EU are now stepping up their efforts to push the World Economic Forum's agenda. The Gateway Pundit previously reported that more British city cities promoted a new scheme to ban privately owned vehicles in certain areas without permits to reduce traffic and help tackle climate change. Protesters called it climate lockdown. So of course, they're going to be doing things like that. They're going to be locking areas of the world down. That's going to be complete government control. People aren't going to be allowed in there. And they're going to put it under the pretense of this has to do with climate change, which is absolutely ludicrous. Locking down certain areas of a place has nothing at all to do with climate change. Uh, if, if you want to be effective in, in doing that, you would have to lock down the whole planet. Why would you pick certain spots? That's not what this article is about. That's just the intro. The article goes on to say, On a Sunday morning, members of the European Parliament and the government of the European Union reached an agreement to reform the, the emissions trading system. Remember that. Emissions trading system. Car emissions are bad. CO2 is apparently bad, even though that's what makes this planet thrive. It's what we've needed car carbon dioxide uh, for the last you know, 6,000 years so that we could live, so the, the greenery on the, the, the trees and the grass and the plants could all live. Anyway, they're, they're on this nutso job trying to get rid of emissions, which of course is impossible. It's, it's just a, a, a black hole for money so that they could launder the money to, to feed the world uh, government. But, but all your money supposedly is going, going towards uh, saving us from climate change which is nonsense. Emissions trading system. So it is in order to increase investments in climate-friendly technology and further cut industrial emissions. So they're going to take your money so we can have more technology to monitor you. I mean, sorry, not you, the climate. Yes, we'll be monitoring the climate, not you. No, they're definitely going to be monitoring you. Further cut industrial emissions. Of course, that means, you know, coal-producing uh, coal emissions and just anything that they decide they don't like. And so their their war is on fossil fuel. Build Back Better is to, to destroy our nation, the United States, in our nation. But you've got your own version of it wherever you're at. I'm sure you're feeling the pressures of Marxism where you're at as well. It says here that this means that everyone in European countries will have to pay for CO2 emissions. How stupid. <laughs> the funds will then be used to tackle climate change. Really? Uh, what they really mean is we're going to take the funds and we're going to use it to control the world. We're going to control you and claim we're doing it for something related to, to climate. 
The EU's climate goals for 2030 is to cut net emissions by 55% before bringing them down to zero. Really, they're going to bring them down to zero by the year 2050. So here we go. It says, uh, I am pleased that a balanced agreement has been reached on the largest climate legislation package in the EU ever, said Esther DeLang. MEP, who is responsible for the coordination of the Green Deal and chief negotiator on the Social Climate Fund. She says this deal, actually somebody else said this, this deal will provide a huge contribution towards fighting climate change, says Peter Lees, a German lawmaker who steered negotiations on behalf of the European Parliament. And as I've taught in my previous videos, uh, Germany is Germany and France are the de facto head of the EU, which is in the Bible known as the leopard. It is the leopard beast of the world government. The UK is the lion beast of the world government. Again, that's in the book of Revelation. There's the lion, which is UK. There's the leopard, which is essentially EU run by Germany and, and France. Uh, there's Russia, the bear. Then there is the United Nations, a revised United Nations, which will be run by the government, uh, by the Antichrist and his ten kings. So let's keep reading. Under the terms of the agreement, to ensure parity between the carbon prices paid for EU products operating under EU emissions trading system and those for imported goods, the parties have agreed to establish an EU carbon border adjustment mechanism, according to Dutch news outlets. This means companies from outside Europe will have to pay for their CO2 emissions, just like European countries. Okay, so it's imports. So if you want to import something in, you got to pay even more money, a tax, and they're calling it a CO2 tax, but really it's, it's an antichrist tax. It's for the world government and the antichrist. And so the residents of the European Union, in addition to businesses, will be forced to pay for their alleged contribution to global warming <laughs> as well. And it's funny how, how they're going to tax people. Everybody, if you're breathing, apparently has, has uh, contributed to CO2, but they're not going to count that. They're going to count all the nations that are rich. And so they're going to take from the rich nations and give to the poor nations, supposedly. But they're not actually going to give to the poor except just a little trickle. The money's going to be funneled to uh, the, the world government. This means that every time you refuel, and if the heating is switched on, you have to pay because of the harmful substances that are released as a result. So if you put gas in your car or you turn on your natural gas to heat your home, you're evil. And so you need to be punished by being taxed more, as if you weren't being taxed enough in Europe. That place is crazy on taxes. And then it's getting worse. And so, you know, they, the inflation, and then they're doing crazy stuff like this. The people running the world don't care about the the people that are being trampled on by inflation and taxes and economic woes. It says here, people who insulate their house well by a heat pump or switch to an electric car can receive a subsidy from a special fund. Oh, by the way, that costs more money to do all these things. It costs more. So a heat pump doesn't actually heat your home very well. Uh, I used to have one. So they're telling you, stop fueling your home with natural gas and electricity. You can use electricity for your car, but of course, electric cars cost more. And they, they're more harmful, equally or more harmful to the environment. So it's, it's a whole, whole bunch of nonsense when they say that this has something to do with helping the environment. It does not. 
But they say you get you, you pay the extra money to get the electric car and we'll give you a tax uh, deduction. <laughs> Gee, thanks. The tax deduction is tiny compared to the huge amount that you pay for buying an electric car or switching over to a heat pump. There will also be money for people who have less to spend. Also, as a result of inflation, more than 86 billion euros is available in that fund. The measures are part of a package in climate laws. Before 2030, CO2 emissions must be reduced by 55%. European industry, which already partly has to do this, uh, will have to deal with higher emission costs, and companies from outside Europe will pay for their emissions at the border. The money raised with this can be spent on climate plans. Yeah, government control. That's, that's what climate plans are. Citizens and companies will have to pay for, for the CO2 from the exhaust and the chimney. This goes through energy companies and pumping stations. They have to pay for emissions rights and then charge the cost to the customers who will come to fill up or turn on the gas heater. Okay, I am uh, using a bit of hyperbole here. I hope you'll forgive me, but you get the point that, that things are really going in the wrong direction and you need to choose good leaders. That goes for Europe. That goes for everywhere in the world. I'm afraid Europe might be already gone. They're, they're under the control of, of really crazy people that are running European Union, the UK, Germany, Norway, Sweden. I mean, it's these people are crazy. Next thing I want to talk about is the CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies. Uh, this is, I believe, the system that's going to... Um, be in place to have the mark of the beast. In other words, we'll read the scripture in just a moment. You can't buy or sell without um, having the mark. And so it, it has to be a cashless society. They have to turn off cash and switch to digital. And we'll see here why. Um, so what is a CBDC? It's a central bank digital currency. You know, it, it is digital, so it's invisible. It's not something you can walk up and pay with, obviously. Um, and so... Uh, what's, what's happened is cryptocurrencies came out and, and they were uh, decentralized. That means that it's just an open ledger where everybody can see the transactions that take place. And so everybody can see it. And so you can't really do anything about it as far as cheat somebody else. Um, once a transaction has taken place, it's an open ledger. Crypto is a type of digital. What's what? centralized and decentralized that's what you you got to remember centralized is government control and you don't get to see what happens um, behind the walls of the central banks uh, decentralized is open everybody can see it everybody can see all all the wallets on the crypto and and everybody can see what's happening you can't make any changes to uh, people's wallets obviously unless there's been a transaction but the transaction is open so think of it like this a central uh, crypto is like, you know, uh, uh, one guy owns a cow. Let's say Bob owns a cow, and he wants to trade with another guy. Um, and this guy owns a chicken farm. Okay, so Bob says, I don't want my cow, I want a chicken farm. And the guy, uh, Jack, who owns the chicken farm, says, I don't want my chicken farm, I want a cow. So they decide to make a transaction. But there, there's no money in this society. There's there's none. And so what I'm explaining is is decentralized. How would these two make people make a transaction? How would we know it's legal? Well, this cryptocurrency is, is what's called an open ledger. That means everybody can see the transaction. The whole world could literally see what's in, 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 in all the wallets. 
And so because everybody could see it, everybody can verify that this was a genuine, genuine transaction. And so uh, uh, Bob and Jack, this is how they make their transaction. This is my illustration. Um, they have to call the entire our entire town together. There's, say, a thousand people in the town, in this tribe or whatever it is. And because there's no currency in this tribe, they say we're going we're gonna to do a public transaction. And so they call the entire town together and say, everybody is witness. I'm Bob. I'm going to give my cow to Jack. Jack's going to give his chicken farm to me. And everybody says, yes, we saw that happen. We're in agreement. And then it is so. And that's how they made a transaction. It is a public ledger. That's what cryptocurrency is. But the difference is that, of course, it is digital um, and it is uh, secure. And so that's why crypto is so attractive. It's, it's very secure. Um, you can't break the the, <laughs> the the encryption. Even though you can see what everybody else has in their wallets, you can't break the encryption and change anything. And so centralized money, central bank digital currency, is basically saying, um, we have a ledger too, only you're not allowed to see it, you're not allowed to edit it. The central banks alone behind uh, uh, in a black box have complete control. <laughs> and so that, that doesn't sound attractive at all. Who in the world would, would buy into this system? Well, nobody would. They'd be forced into it. And so right now it is being tested all around the world. Uh, different nations are already testing central bank digital currencies. And so this is currency created by the central bank and they can make whatever they want, however they want, give it to whoever they want. And so they're, they're now making it kind of testing like a beta phase and then they're testing it all around the world. And it, they'll, they'll, the advertisement is that it will help, you know, stop crime. It will stop terrorism. It will reduce inflation. It'll increase your privacy because uh, nobody can see what's happening. <laughs> uh, there'll be lower transaction fees. It'll make, uh, it, it'll bring us all up to date. You know, these are the things that they think will make it attractive for you to buy into this central bank digital currency that the central banks are coming up to propose. But they proposed this because cryptocurrencies came out and, and, and that was taking power away from central banks where people could sit here and do transactions without using the currencies of the world. Well, central banks had to do something about that. They, they're not going to lose control of the world. And so uh, that's why they're producing a central bank digital currency, which is a closed ledger, private ledger. Nobody can see what's happening, but they'll divvy to you what you know they think you deserve. And so at some point, uh, many believe there will be a change. It'll be just, it has to be instant or it just won't work. Where um, basically they're going to turn off physical dollars. One day they'll declare your money's no good. And you have to convert over to this central bank. And so they'll divvy to you an equivalent amount of whatever you have in your bank account in central bank digital coins, central bank digital currency. Um, and so your money becomes no good instantly overnight. All that money you have stashed on, under your mattress, it's worth zero. And so they'll give you maybe a minute <laughs> to, to go cash that in to get your central coins. Um, and so you can imagine if, if this happens on the world scene you know this will be devastating but but this is this is a global thing this is a a world currency and so uh president biden already signed something i think in this past year an executive order saying that we're going to jump on board and, and get on board with these cbdc's and and it will be devastating um i i encourage you to look up cbdc's look up robert kiyosaki uh there's another guy called rickard look up his commentary on 
central bank digital currencies and the executive order by Biden and research that. It is so vitally important that you got to be prepared for this. How do you prepare? Well, most of most of these guys, including him and Kiyosaki, are saying, you know, buy precious metals. It's not an it's not going to fix everything, but it's going to help. Um, but there's also other things to do, like learn how to be uh, separate from this world system, separate from this Babylonian world system, and learn how to be uh, what's called self-reliant, um, store food, be self-reliant, learn how to farm, learn how to uh, take care of yourself, how to pr provide your own food, provide your own um, heat, warmth, uh, all these different things, uh, the things you need to survive. Uh, and so that's what many of them are saying doing. Um, you can buy, buy land, they're saying, uh, buy real estate, buy land, buy precious metals. Um, you know, uh, I would say buy uh, crypto because that seems to be the opposite of central bank digital currency because it's decentralized and nobody controls crypto. But we learned from the Canadian, uh, truckers event, <laughs> I'll just call it that that uh, that Canada turned off people's crypto wallets. So they have the ability to turn off your crypto wallets. So crypto is not necessarily safe. And of course, of course, we see all the craziness going on with FTX and how that thing imploded. And so uh, like much of the world, it is not built on actual assets. You know, it's just built on unicorns and fairy tales and fluff the currency that you have it's not built on anything and so you know it's 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 uh some some reckon it to a ponzi scheme and, and one day it's going to implode and so what could cause it to implode well uh my suspicion is the announcement that an asteroid is coming wormwood is an asteroid that is absolutely coming nasa says they see uh, the asteroids out there, but they're not telling us about it. But I believe one day they will, the governments of the world will have to make an announcement and say, hey, this asteroid's coming. And so that will cause things to implode. And overnight, the world will change. And that could be the impetus that would cause us to switch over to a central bank digital currency. Not only is this central bank digital currency awful, it's more awful than, than I've explained. It's trackable. That means that every single transaction, they will know who you did it with, where you were, what happened. They will be able to track everything about your entire life, every transaction, every paycheck, every single thing. It'll be in central bank digital currency. Then you go spend it. And worse than that, it's programmable. That means that they can program it. When they give it to you, they say, hey, you got to use this amount for your food, this amount for your home, this amount for your car, this amount for this and that. They control how you spend it. Oh yeah, and it can have an expiration date. If you don't spend it on your food by this particular date, we turn it off, it becomes instantly zero. You had a thousand, instantly it becomes zero if you didn't spend it. That's not money, okay? That That is a, I mean, I don't know what you call it, a, a fiat currency on steroids. It is not money. You can't save it. If they can turn it off, it's impossible to save because it's not really money. So that's what they want is taking complete control so you can't have any power to save. Money is power. And if you have it, you have power. You have money, you have power. But if they can turn it off, they instantly overnight take your power. So if you're not a good boy, well, they turn off your money. And that's where it makes perfect sense where the book of Revelation says in chapter 13, verse 16, and he causes all, 
the Antichrist causes, well, actually, it's the, the, the false prophet, which I believe is a pope. But it's, it's going to be a world government system that's going to implement this. He causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. So there's going to be a government digital currency, a cashless society. And the Pope has the idea, hey, let's make it into a mark so that, you know, you have to, so we can see that you're, you're pledging allegiance to the world government. And we're, we, now we know because you've pledged allegiance to the world government as your God, you're now going to be able to do what? You're going to be able to buy and sell. Because he decrees that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name, which again, I believe in particular is talking about the name or the beast is world government. Of course, the Antichrist is the beast at the top of the world government, but the world government is also called the beast. The Antichrist is called the beast. The world government is called the beast. It's the seven-headed beast of Revelation, which is in particular United Nations running the world. So the, the Pope comes up with the idea or, or implements the idea, let's make it into a mark to pledge allegiance to the world government. But really the central bank digital currency would have already been implemented by uh, the central banks, by you know the world governments. Again, it's a system of control so that you no longer have power. If if they don't like you because you're the wrong race, they'll take <laughs> they'll take their digital currency and, and give you less and give it to the right race. Okay? Uh, or, or to the person who's more environmentally friendly, who's climate friendly, who doesn't leave a carbon footprint, or who doesn't post bad stuff on social media like me. <laughs> it's not bad, of course. It's truth. But nonetheless, you get the point. Um, so that is central bank digital currencies. I wanted to warn you about that uh, to let you know it is on the way. It's, it's being being tested this year uh, in the year 2023 and by 2024, I think. It'll, it'll start uh, taking off in different nations. We already see places like, I think it's either Nigeria or, or Kenya, one of those. Um, they're, they're already turning off people's money and, and, and switching to digital currencies, uh, central bank digital currencies. So this is, this is already happening. Uh, they're testing it out. Just get ready. <laughs> All right. What I want to get into today is also talking about the timing of of the rapture in relation to the wrath of God. This is a crucial, crucial revelation. I've never heard anybody teach, but it is, I think, crystal clear once you see it in the Bible. All right, and uh, so let's let's jump into some scriptures. All right, so you know whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever you are, if you believe in the rapture, that is, uh, you know the scriptures. Like Romans 5, 9, Romans 5, 9 says we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Christ, through Jesus. And 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, it says we are to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So Jesus, by his work on the cross, rescued us from the wrath to come. Everybody agrees this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. All Christians that know and believe in the rapture believe we are destined never to be touched by the wrath of God because of scriptures like 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, which says, For God has not destined us to wrath, or for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. So um, I've already talked about in previous videos how I've proved beyond a doubt that, that 
that pre-trib is not true. And this is the, the main crux of why I used to be pre-trib and I'm no longer pre-trib because I, I studied the subject of God's wrath when it takes place. Used to be pre-trib because I believe what everybody said, which is the tribulation, the seven-year period, Daniel's 70th week, it's called the tribulation by the pre-tribbers. That's the wrath of God, and that makes sense. I was like, logically, that made sense. Yeah, a lot of bad stuff is going to happen, and the Bible says we're not going to be here for God's wrath, so yeah, we're going to be raptured before the seven years. The, the tribulation is what they call it. And it, it just made sense logically until one day I picked a book up um, by Van Campen talking about the pre-wrath theory. And I was like, if, if pre-trib is true, it'll stand up to any scrutiny. So I'll read any book and see if there's anything here. And so I read the book on pre-wrath and I immediately studied all the scriptures. And then I picked up another book on pre-wrath and then I, I became pre-wrath. I'm like, yeah, we're definitely going to be gone before wrath pour, is poured out. So that's what pre-wrath means, except the book became abundantly clear. It made abundantly clear that the seven-year tribulation is, is not the wrath of God. You, you simply have to study it. And so that's what this is going to be about. I'm just going to give you the scriptures, study it on your own. I'm just telling you how I used to be pre-trib and became pre-wrath, and now I'm what's called post-trib pre-wrath, okay? Um, and I'll give you the scriptures explaining that as well. Um, so pr the, the typical pre-wrath person believes that the wrath of God happens sometime in the, the latter half of the tribulation. In other words, during the great tribulation, we don't know when, uh, the wrath of God is going to be poured out and we'll be raptured right before that happens. And that sounded pretty good to me. And then I studied more and more and over the, the last decade or so, I moved to a complete post-trib because I saw that the wrath of God happened after the seven years. And I'll give you those scriptures. And that's why I'm post-trib. And so both pre-trib and I agree, and pre-wrath and most post-tribbers agree, we'll be gone before the wrath of God is poured out. We'll be raptured off the earth before the wrath of God is poured out. And so I am, I am critical now of the pre-trib theory because they say that the seven years is God's wrath. But the problem is there's no scriptures for that, none whatsoever. It's just logic and hoping and wishing, basically, that it's true. But if you're wrong, I mean, you're not going to be ready. If You're just basically hoping and wishing that, because I've already explained in previous videos, there's not actually an explicit scripture that says we'll be gone before the seven-year tribulation, or before the great tribulation. There's no scripture that says that. If there is, go find it. I know you won't find one. There's, it, it doesn't exist. So the entirety of the pre-trib uh, um, theory rests on, we'll be gone before God's wrath, and God's wrath is the seven years. There, there really is no other evidence, and that makes total sense, and that's what made sense to me when I was a pre-tribber. It makes total sense until you study is the seven-year tribulation, or even the great tribulation, the, the wrath of God. So we'll see that. So if this fails, if, this, if, if, if pre-tribbers cannot prove that the seven years is God's wrath, and they cannot because there's not a scripture, then their entire argument of pre-trib is based on nothing. There's no explicit scriptures that say there's a pre-trib rapture. And then 
even the logic of we're gone before the wrath of God. There's nothing there either. So let's get into it. Understand there is coming what's called the wrath of God. It is real. It says in Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So the, the wrath of God is something very serious. It is absolute. You know, we've seen it in places like Noah's flood. I personally believe that was the wrath of God because it just wiped out everything. That's the way God's wrath works. When wrath happens, uh, when you look back, there's nothing left. I mean, everybody was dead except, you know, Noah who was saved. Um, Noah and his family and animals, etc. But the whole planet was, was, was wiped out. Or you think of uh, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, uh, a lot was saved. Everybody else was wiped out. There's nothing left. It was burned to a crisp. In those flood, the whole planet was flooded. Everything gone, you know? That's the wrath of God. It's not just bad stuff happening with, with the economy and bad stuff happening in governments and wars and the mark of the beast. That's not the wrath of God. That's, that's the world government and the Antichrist and Satan doing his thing, their thing. Um, that's not the wrath of God. Okay, but I'll, I'll get into that. So Colossians 3, 4 says this, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What's that talking about? That's talking about when we're raptured off the earth, when Christ is revealed. That's when Jesus comes back again. We're going to be with him in glory. Hallelujah. So that's the rapture. But then in Colossians 3, 5, it says, Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality. So the things you do sexually is important. That's the first thing he mentions in being ready for the end time, for the rapture. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, uh, evil desire and greed, which amount to idolatry. Then he says this, For it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the Son's of disobedience. So we see here a, a relationship between the rapture that he mentions in verse uh, 4 and the wrath in verse 6. So let's get into this. Now there's two wraths mentioned in the book of Revelation. One is called the wrath of God. The other is called the wrath of Satan. And so when and what is this wrath of Satan? Well you can read about this in Revelation chapter 12. And I'll, I'll go ahead and start in verse 11. It says, And they, talking about us, overcame him, the Antichrist, because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, their life even, when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great wrath, knowing he has only a short time. All right, so we see here that the devil has wrath too. All right, now how is this relevant? Well, it's the timing. I want you to notice when this happens. He said, It says here, so far all we know is it's a short time. Verse 13 goes on to say, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, the dragon is the devil, he persecuted the, worm, the woman who gave birth to the male child. That's Israel. But how long does he persecute Israel? Verse 14 says, But the two wings of the great eagle, eagle, the great eagle, were given to the woman so that she could fly away into the wilderness to her place where she, Israel, will be nourished. Here it is for how long? 
time times and half a time away from the presence of the serpent or the dragon or the devil. Okay? So Israel will be given time times and half a time. Everybody that knows Bible prophecy knows that's the great tribulation. That's three and a half years. Time times and half a time is three and a half years. So the devil comes down and he's given three and a half years for his wrath. How long does the devil's wrath last? It's a short time, three and a half years. Study Revelation 12, 11 through 14. You'll see Satan's wrath is what it's called, the Great Tribulation. It lasts three and a half years. Okay? So understand this is the devil's wrath, Satan's wrath, the serpent's wrath, not God's wrath. And it's known as the Great Tribulation. So how do people say that, oh, you know, that's the that's God's wrath happening during the tribulation in the great tribulation? Well, it doesn't say that. There's nowhere you would find in scripture where it says this is God's wrath happening during the seven years or the when the seals are released or when the, the trumpets blow or when the, except for the last trumpet. Uh, the last trumpet is the wrath of God. But the, the first trumpets are not the wrath of God. The first the, the first six seals are not the wrath of God. Okay. Only number seven, the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and all seven of the bowls of God's wrath are the wrath of God. All Everything up to that point is not the wrath of God. Now, for the final three and a half years, the Great Tribulation, it is the wrath of Satan. Um, so there, there's, it's really just an assumption by pre-tribbers that this is, you know, uh, the, the seven years is, is the wrath of God. And it's a very dangerous assumption because if you don't have scripture, you're standing on nothing. You're just hoping that it's true. But you have an assumption without scripture, without evidence. You know, um, faith is based on evidence. What evidence? The scripture. Okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You've got to have some evidence, which is scripture after scripture after scripture. And I've proven that in my other scriptures where you can see in John chapter 6, where the resurrection happens on the last day, which Jesus said four times the resurrection happens, happens on the last day. By the way, I know I talk really fast. You can hit YouTube and change the playback speed to like 0.75%. That might help you. Only on YouTube, sorry. If you're not on YouTube, uh, you can go back and watch it again, I guess. All right. So, now, and I, I know a lot of Christians are not going to let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. They're just going to stick to their pre-trib beliefs, even if they don't have Scripture. But I'm going to show those that are seeking truth the Scripture on this matter. So, we've talked about the wrath of Satan. Now, let's talk about... The wrath of God. When does it begin? Well, Romans 2.5. It says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath and the revelation of righteous of the righteous judgment of God. So there's coming a day of wrath. There's a particular day when the wrath of God begins. It isn't just kind of a nebulous concept. It is a specific day, a day of judgment of God. It's called the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not, not some nebulous, you know, thing. Now, there is a wrath of God where, where God can, we see throughout the Bible, well, he'll, he'll strike down, you know, somebody. But, but read on the subject of the wrath of God in, in, in quotes, you know, that particular phrase, the wrath of God, and, and you'll find it in different parts of the Bible. And so it is happening on a particular day. So let's read 
This is the revelation I want everybody to get. This is so critically important to understanding your Bible and as well as the timing of the rapture in relation to God's wrath. And my time is almost up, so I'm going to give you this revelation and then I'm going to make a part two to talk about the timing. I just don't have time anymore to keep going. But let me give you this revelation and we'll close it up and we'll continue on a part two. This is out of Luke 17. I want you to read this in your own Bible. Luke 17, verse 26. I'm going to read Luke 17, verses 26 through 32. It says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Underline, as it was in the days of Noah. That's the key phrase. As it was in the day, days of Noah. We know, of course, Noah was the flood. So shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. In other words, when Jesus returns. Verse 27. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Underline the day. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. When did the wrath begin? On a day, a single day right? Underline the day. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. So a lot of end time teachers emphasize they ate, they drank, they married and given in marriage. Oh my, oh, that gives us some insight into the end times. People will be eating. Oh, that's deep. That's not really deep, okay? Uh, People need to eat. We need to eat all the time. So that doesn't give us any insight. That's not the purpose of Jesus telling us this is not to give us some insight into uh, how society will be as much as it is emphasizing the point that it's going to happen on a certain day, a particular single day. It begins. What begins? The wrath of God, just like it did in the days of Noah. That's what Jesus is emphasizing. The emphasis is not on, oh, they're going to eat and drink and still give in marriage. That That's just the setup to explain people will do what they've always done up until that day. What day? The day of wrath. In Noah's case, the day that Noah entered the ark, verse 27, and the flood came and destroyed them all. The day Noah entered the ark, the rains, the floods, they began. So people get all caught up about marrying and eating and drinking, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not the emphasis. That's only the setup to the point he was making. There's no great insight into understanding that people are going to eat in the last days. Yeah, and marry. That's, that's, that's nothing. People think, oh, if they're eating and drinking and marrying, things must not be all that bad. And then they get all confused about the timing. Well, that must not be the Great Tribulation. Or uh, they get all confused. Jesus was not emphasizing people eating or drinking. It's, that's totally normal. We'll always do that no matter how bad things get in the end times. People will need to eat and drink and they'll marry. The point was he pointed to the day that Noah entered the ark. Don't take my word for it. Just study this. We're going we're gonna to keep reading and, and, and see that Jesus mentions it twice and then a third time to point out it's not about the eating, drinking stuff. Okay? It's about the day of wrath. All right. So the point I'm making, of course, is the same day that the rapture happens is the same day the wrath happens. Okay? That's that's where I'm going. 
First we're raptured, then the same day the wrath happens, just like Noah, as in the days of Noah. That's what Jesus is teaching us. As in the days of Noah, it's not eating and drinking, it's about the day that he entered the ark was the same day wrath happened. The day he was saved was also the day the wrath happened to the wicked world. Same day. That's the point. But don't take my word for it. Read verse 28 with me. Likewise, Jesus says, also it was as it was in the days of Lot. As it was. Underline that. As it was. All right. They ate. They did eat. They drank. Again, same point. Not a big deal that they eat and drink. They bought and they sold. They planted, they builded. In other words, life continued. People will need to eat. People will still need to drink. And how are they going to eat and drink? Well, you have to buy the food or sell. someone has to sell it to you. So buying and selling is going to be totally normal so that you can eat and drink. People will still, in the Great Tribulation, have to eat and drink, okay? It's, it's no great insight that, that you can eat and drink and buy and sell, okay? And build and so forth. This is the point Jesus was making. People are, are all, all caught up in this over here. Oh, look at this. Oh, they're eating and drinking. But they're missing the whole point of Jesus is telling us the wrath is happening on the same day. That's the point. This is the point over here. Stop looking at this. Look over here. This is the point Jesus is making. Here it is. Verse 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Okay, same day, and underline that. It's super clear in that verse because he says the same day, all right? Uh, verse uh, that we read earlier, it says the day that Noah entered the ark. But this one, it says the same day that Lot went out from Sodom. So he's making this point. This is important to understand the timing of the rapture and then the wrath on the same day. The wrath is not some nebulous idea that's just happening sporadically throughout the final seven years or the tribulation or the great tribulation. It's a specific event starting on a specific day. It's critical to understanding that. And then we'll next time we'll talk about how that, that makes it clear that uh, the, the seven years is not the wrath of God. We'll go into the scriptures proving that. All right, so let's keep reading. Verse 30 says, Even thus shall it be in the day, underline that, when the Son of Man is revealed. He, his, Jesus' emphasis is about a day, not eating and drinking and marrying. That's only the setup to point to a particular day. Yes, life will continue where people will eat until the day we're raptured, the church is raptured, and the wrath of God is poured out afterwards. All right. This is, this is a revelation. I've never heard anybody preach on this, but this is such a powerful revelation. I believe the Lord has given me to give to you. So please study this. Don't take my word for it. Don't, don't over-scrutinize eating and drinking, but, but underline and pay attention to those places where it talks about a day. Verse 31. Here it is again. In that day. Is, is Jesus emphasizing eating and drinking? No, not really. Underline that phrase. In that day. All right, so in that day, he, which shall be upon the housetop, he's, he's going to introduce and start talking about the rapture. If you don't know that Luke chapter 17 is a rapture chapter, 
man, you're missing so much. It is. Preachers don't like to talk about this, but Luke 17 is talking about the rapture. It's such an awesome rapture scripture. Um, and so let's let's go ahead and keep going. Reading Luke 17. You know, it, it's going to happen quickly. And this is this is why Jesus says over and over to be ready. You're either going to be in or you're going to be out. You're going to be going up in the rapture or you're going to be left behind. So you don't want to be, you know, living in sin and in the world and backslidden and uh, doing the mark of the beast and all these terrible things. Uh, you want to be living for God up until this day. And yes, we will have to go through tribulation. Verse 33. I'll start with verse 33. So you're on the housetop. Then he says in verse 33, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. You, you know, people will be trying to save their lives by taking the mark of the beast. I've got to eat, so I'll take the mark of the beast. He says, you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. You'll be damned for eternity. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Don't don't care about your physical body's life. This is this is just a coat. It's you know you you'll throw it off. It, it, you're still here. It, it, it's nothing. Your body is not you. You try to, but if you're willing to lose this body, this life, you shall preserve yourself a place in eternity. Verse 34, I tell you, in that night there shall be two in one bed. <coughs> one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Okay, that's the rapture. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Instantly somebody is gone. That's the rapture. One will be left behind for wrath. One will be taken to glory. Verse 35, two women grinding together. One will be taken, one will be left. All right. Very clear rapture scripture. Verse 36, two will be in the field. One will be taken, one the other left. So this 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 point about the, the setup, the day of rapture and then the wrath of God happens. Jesus then goes in to explain how the rapture happens. One will be taken, one will be left. One will be taken in the rapture, one will be left for judgment, for wrath. All right. And he said unto them, where, Lord, where are we going to be taken? Where's our body going to be taken? Where are we going to be taken? He said unto them, uh, where the body is there, the eagles will be gathered. Where are we going to be? We're going to be where the eagles are, which is in the sky. Okay. We're going to be with him. He's coming in the clouds. So that's where we're going to be. We're going to be up in the clouds, in the sky, where the eagles fly. All right. <laughs> so clear rapture scripture. Um, when is that going to take place? Well, I don't have time. I've already gone over an hour. I'm going to have to stop, and we will pick up on part two in my next video coming out, hopefully in the next few weeks. Uh, stay tuned for that. Again, like, share, subscribe so you get that video. Hit the bell so you, you'll know when I put out that next video. Share this on social media. Share it as far as you can. People need to know this revelation. The real question is, will you be ready? Are you ready? The only way to be ready is to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in what he did on the cross, through his blood that was shed for you. Be born again. That way you can have no fear of what happens to this body. If you die, it means nothing because you can't actually die. It's impossible for a Christian to ever really die because your body is not you. Okay, And so when you have no fear of death, you can face persecution with boldness like so many of the martyrs who, who died at the hands of lions, they were singing praises to God. They were being burnt alive, singing praises to God. 
being thrown in boiling oil, praying and praising God. Um, so many. And so that only happens because you have no fear of death and that you have a hope of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so some of us will die. But some will be raptured to be put into glorified bodies that will never, ever die, never have sickness or disease or never grow old. The only way you can be ready for the end time is to have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Call on him now to be saved, to forgive you of your sins, repent and give him your whole life. Let him be Lord of your life. If you've done that, you can go to my website, thomastaylorministries.org. Hit the contact link and let me know you did that. All right. Well, again, share this video. I'll let you know. God bless you. Love you and I'll see you next time.